I want to talk a little bit about a book. Can I do that? I want to talk about a book, not just any book. This is a book that has stood the test of time. It's infallible. It's without error. It's complete and it's supernatural. See, this book that I'm talking about this morning can take the coldest heart and can turn him or her into a born-again saint. Amen? Where their eternity is changed, where their destiny is changed for eternity. See, many people, many evil people in the past have tried to eliminate this book from off the face of the earth. But they couldn't do it. It can't do it. This book will not and cannot be removed from off the face of this earth. I want to talk about the Bible this morning and what it is and what it means to us as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ. Now, it's interesting to point out the word Bible, the word Bible literally means the book, the book. Now, why I say this is interesting, because there's actually 66 different books in the Bible, yet we call it the Bible and it's called the book, as in one. There's 66 different books. Uh, there's 40 different writers over a 1,500-year span. And the amazing thing about the Word of God, the Bible, is the unity from Genesis to Revelation. Complete and total unity. Totally infallible. Why? Why? Why is that? Because the Bible was not written by man or by the will of man, but it's written by God. Amen? Amen? The men who were used to write it were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write it. That's why it's infallible. And, uh, you know, so it's the book, just one, because there's total unity and the author is God himself. Now, the Bible expresses God's willingness to communicate with mankind. Think about that. God, the creator of all things, the word of God expresses his willingness to communicate with mankind. If you have your Bibles, open them up with me to Second Peter chapter 1. I want to take you through the word this morning. Just point out some interesting things about the Bible. What it is and how uh, it's beneficial to us as believers. You know, the Bible talks about that we need to build our foundation, don't we? And we have to be on the rock. Jesus Christ is the rock. And we need to be... Jesus is considered the Word, right? John 1.1. 1, 1. John 1.1. 1, 1. Listen to this. Talks about actually the Lord Jesus Christ Himself being the Word. He's the living Word. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Interesting. Notice uh, the word Word in John 1 is is uh, capitalized. It's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, 2 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to start with verse 16, and I'm going to read down through 21 this morning. And then I'm, going to, I'm just going to read it full, and then I want to go back verse by verse and point some interesting things out about Scripture. Verse 16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Verse 18. And this voice which came from heaven we heard uh, when we were with him in the holy mountain. 
We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved or inspired by the Holy Ghost. Now, I just want to break that down verse by verse and, and how this relates to today talking about the Word of God. Verse 16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Notice, Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when he wrote this, he said that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection are not just a fable or a myth. Peter says that he and others were eyewitnesses. He says, hey, I was there. This, this is not just a story that was made up. We've seen it with our own eyes. Amen? Verse 17 goes on to say, For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him uh, from the excellent glory from his heavenly father. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, Jesus, that's talking about Jesus received honor and glory from his heavenly father when he acknowledged him. Remember when John the Baptist baptized Jesus, when Jesus came out of the water, water, the Holy Spirit came upon him. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's talking about that God the father acknowledged Jesus and that brought him honor and glory and that put the stamp of approval upon Jesus, right? And then verse 18, and this voice which came from the heaven we heard. So then again, he says, hey, this is not just hearsay. I was there. I heard God the Father speak that verbally. He says, you know, God the Father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So here the Holy Spirit through Peter is trying to say, hey, he's putting a stamp of approval on the word here. That this is not just some story, some fable, right? Some make-believe thing. Now, Verse 19 is really what I want to pull out. It says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Now, think about this. We also now have a more sure word of prophecy. In other words, follow this. The word of God or the Bible is just as sure as if God himself were verbally speaking to us like he did to Jesus in that day. Think about that. That's what he's saying. He says, we also, because just in the following verses there, in the verses before, he says, you know, it's talking about how God the Father spoke verbally to Jesus. And, and then he says, we also now have a more sure word of prophecy. Or in other words, the word of God, the Bible, is just as if God was right here speaking to you and I verbally. Amen? That's what the Holy Spirit's trying to get across. He's trying to show the validity of Scripture. And it's not, it was not written by the will of man, but by the will of God. Now, verse 20 and 21, knowing this, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. Meaning, the men who were used to write this, they didn't put their own ideas in it. It says that they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write Scripture. Are you following me this morning? Now, 2 Timothy 3.16 makes this point even more clear. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, okay, the whole Bible, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. 
And then it goes on to say what it's good for. It is profitable for doctrine, for teaching, for reproof, for correction. How many of you know we all need correction? Amen. We need to get on back on track sometimes. For instruction in righteousness. And, and so the Bible is very important to us. Now, I said this before. Now, we have some visitors here today. So uh, I'll just say it again. Bible, B-I-B-L-E, what does it stand for? Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. Isn't that an easy way to think of the Bible? B-I-B-L-E, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. Now, another point I want to bring up. If I were to go down to Lowe's and buy a snowblower, and I'm getting the snowblower out and I'm having some problems with this thing, I don't know how to run it. How would I find out on how to run that snowblower? What would I pull out to look at to help me with that? The manual for that snowblower. Because I'm going, the manufacturer of that snowblower wrote a little book to tell us how to operate it. Well, in the spiritual sense, the Bible is our instruction booklet on how to live a satisfied and fulfilling life on this earth. Right? It's our manual. It's basic instructions before leaving earth. So, you know, the Bible is, is so awesome. It's a supernatural book. How can I say that? Why is it supernatural? Because it was not written by the will of man, but God used man as instruments to put his word on paper for us to show us how to live a victorious life and to give us purpose, right? The Bible gives us purpose. It shows us what we are supposed to do on this earth as a believer. I mentioned before, once a person gets saved or born again or receives Jesus as their Lord and Savior, all of a sudden, I don't know about you, but when I did that, when I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior, all of a sudden, things got a little clearer in my life. I, I finally had purpose. Uh, a deep down purpose came to me. Why? Because the Bible tells us what our purpose is. The Bible is the will of God. Right? Just as if a person here who has a will, you wrote a will, and when you die, it comes in effect. Right? Well, the Bible is a will. It's a legal document. Right? When Jesus died, it kicked that will back into, uh, into motion. So... Uh, the Bible's awesome. It will change your life. Like I said, it can change the coldest heart and make them a born-again saint. Amen? Hallelujah. I also tell people this. Think of the Bible as a personal love letter to you from God. Make the Bible personal. Every time you read the Bible, personalize it. When you read a promise in the Bible, just picture the Lord writing that promise. It's to you. Because if you're a Christian, this belongs to you, right? So you need to personalize it. Don't always put it out, to, yeah, but that's, that's for that person. You know, I, I really don't deserve it. No, no, no. If you're a child of God today, if you're a Christian, all the promises in the Bible belong to you. Amen? Now, the next point. Listen to this. The Word of God is our evidence or proof that backs our faith. As a Christian, the word of God is our evidence or our proof that backs our faith or beliefs as a Christian. You see, money, if I have a $20 bill, you know, if I had one, <laughs> I do, it's in the bank. No. If I had a $20 bill, there 
if there was nothing to back that currency, right? What, what backs our currency? What, gold, silver, what, down in Fort Knox, wherever they keep it. If there was nothing to back that $20 bill, all that $20 bill is is just a piece of paper. It wouldn't be worth anything, right? Well, same thing in the spiritual. The Bible backs our faith as a believer. Now, without the Word of God backing our beliefs as a Christian, it's just an opinion. See, let me go give you an example. An example is if a person who says that hell is not a literal place, I say to them, okay, show me proof or evidence of your belief. Well, they can't do it. Why? Because that's merely their opinion. But us as a believer, we believe there's a literal hell because the Bible says it. So we can back our faith on what the Bible says, right? So if we come up with something that's unscriptural, well, we have nothing to back it. Then it's just our opinion, right? And you run into that all the time. You know, people who, who say things that are unscriptural and, uh, and they can't back it up. Because why? There's no scripture to back it up. And then it's simply their opinion. So we want to stay away from our opinion. I said it before. I don't want to give you my opinion. I want to give you the word of God. Because the word of God is what will build your faith, right? It'll give you something to back your faith upon. So now how about when you got saved? When you made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. Now, uh, you may have heard a minister, a friend, or a family member preaching the gospel, and you responded, right? That's how you got saved. Because what they were simply doing is speaking evidence from the Word of God that it's God's will for you to be saved. And you responded to that. That built faith in you, and that backed your faith, right? Let's face it. If, you don't, if a person doesn't know that it's God's will for them to be saved or they don't know anything about it, well, how can they get saved if they don't know, right? That's why I'm saying the Bible is, is our uh, backing for our faith. Now, the Bible is referred to as the truth. John 17, 17. Turn with me if you have your Bibles there. John 17, Verse 17. Now, if you'll notice, that one verse is in red. What does it mean when the Bible, when the words are in red? Yes, right. That's Jesus talking, right? So now John 17, verse 17 says, Jesus said, Sanctify them through thy word, or through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now, this is verse 17 here, This the context of the verse. That is where Jesus is praying to his heavenly Father, right? And he says to his heavenly Father, Father, sanctify them. Sanctify all those who believe in me now and future generations uh, through thy truth. And then he says, what is that? What that truth is? The truth is the word of God. So, you know, it is the only thing. The word of God is the only thing we can base our faith upon. It is the only thing that will bring true peace, true joy, and true happiness in our lives. You know, people are trying every day to try to replace the word of God with money, sex, alcohol, all these other worldly things. But there's a God-shaped hole in every human being on this earth. And until they receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they'll never find true peace, never find true happiness. Never find true joy. Amen? Amen? Now, when you make the Word of God priority in your life, those results will follow. 
peace, joy, and happiness. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law or love thy word. Right? So if you make the word of God the center of your life, you're basing all of your decisions in life based on what the Bible says. Right? It says here, and if you do that, well, you're loving the word. Right? You're putting it first place and priority in your life. It says, Great peace have all they which love thy law. So those who embrace the word and live by it will have that great peace. Now, the Bible, I want to touch on this. This is very important. The Bible is a spiritual book. Jesus said in John 6, 63, It is the spirit that quickens or makes alive. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Now, so he says here, you know, is the spirit that quickens or make alive. So out of that one verse, we see that any time the word of God is heard or any time the word of God is read, the Holy Spirit is right there on the scene to quicken you, uh, to make that word alive, to bring understanding to that which you have heard or read. And he will show you how to apply it to your personal life. You see, uh, there's two Greek words for the word word. One is logos and one is rhema. Logos is the written word. Right? It's the written word right here. Now, rhema is the word, is, is when the Holy Spirit quickens or makes something alive that you read and shows you how to apply that one thing into your personal life. Right? For example, you might read uh, how the Bible says to forgive. Well, maybe you're dealing with an illness in your life or something, and maybe that's a hindrance to you receiving healing because it does give place to the enemy. And the, when you read... That scripture about we are to forgive others, the Holy Spirit could quicken that to you and show you that's the very thing that's hindering you from moving forward in your life. Understand? That's the rhema word. Now, so then again, Hebrews 4.12, it says the word of God is quick or alive and powerful. Uh, Matthew 4.4, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's talking about the word of God. See, I I covered this before, but I'll say it again because it's very important. Bread or food gives nourishment, strength to our physical body, right? When you eat, you're, you're nourishing your body. You're strengthening your physical body. But that's what the word of God is to your spirit man on the inside. So, uh, so we see that the word of God is spiritual. It brings life. And then it goes on to say it profits the flesh nothing, meaning it's not, you know, it's going to feed your spirit man. Now, real quick, I'll touch on this. The real us is the, sp- we're, we're, the real us is a spirit on the inside, right? We're a spirit. We uh, possess a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body, right? The man is triune. So uh, the real you is the one, like I said last week, when you take your last breath on this earth, your spirit's going to leave this shell, right? The body's just going to decay back in the ground. So the real you is your spirit, man. And the Bible is spiritual food for your spirit. The more you read the Bible, the more built up you're going to be in your spiritual life, right? Now, Romans 8, 1 through 9. Romans chapter 8, 1 through 9. So I get ready to finish up this morning. 
And I just want to go verse by verse here because it's it's interesting part of Scripture. And, and there's some interesting things to pull out that relate to this topic. Uh, Romans 8, and I'm going to start on verse 1 and go through 9. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It's interesting, it says there's no condemnation to those who, uh, who live in the Spirit. But if you're constantly going to be flesh-ruled, well, then you're on the, on the borderline there of backsliding, right? Come on, say amen to that. That's right. That's, that's the Word of God. Verse 2, it says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned, condemned sin in the flesh. Now, what is that saying? It's saying the Old Testament... The Old Testament was never put in place to make a person righteous, right? The law could not do that because of mankind's inability to do that. But Galatians says that the law or the Old Testament was a schoolmaster to bring us to Jesus Christ. In other words, the law is going to show you and I how incapable we are in our flesh to become righteous in God's sight. You need the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life to be righteous, right? So the law, he's saying here, hey, it was never put in place to make someone righteous. So don't live by the law. That's why the New Testament says don't try. You know, salvation is, you're not going to earn salvation by works, right? Because you can't do it. The law was never meant for that. It was meant to show people their inadequacy of doing it themselves in, in what Jesus did for us. And that's the only way. Verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There it is again. He's talking about, hey, not those who walk after the flesh, but those who are walking in the Spirit, or according to the Word of God. Verse 5, for they that are after the flesh uh, do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Look at verse 6. This is interesting. It says, for to be carnally minded or natural-minded, or against the Word. To be carnally-minded is death, meaning it's separation from God, because God's a spirit, and He expects those to worship Him in spirit and truth, right? Remember that scripture? But then it goes on to say, but to be spiritually-minded, or to think in line with the Word of God, is life and peace. Now, how could we apply that to our situation? How about when you have a, a, a problem in your life? You know, you're constantly trying to work it out in your own natural thinking. You're not even allowing God to come into the situation, right? That's carnally minded. That word death there is talking about you're separating your, yourselves from the benefits of God that he has for you as a believer. It's separation. So it's talking about you're constantly trying to do things in your own strength, in your own natural thinking, and you're... Counting out the power of God. You're counting out the power of God. Um, and what I have on our website, let me see, what was that? 1 Corinthians 2.5. Listen to this. He says, your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Don't take away the God out of the equation in your life. 
Because God's still moving in a mighty way today. He's still the God of miracles. He's still uh, blessing his people, right? So don't be carnally minded. Don't try to figure things out in your own strength all the time. You know, keep God in the equation. Let his power flow through you in that situation. Uh, verse 7, it tells us why not to be carnally minded. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Your carnal natural mind's an enemy of God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. He's talking to the uh, to believers here. Those who are walking in the spirit. But in the spirit, if so, the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Now, my last scripture I want to bring up here as I close is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 12 through 15. My point is this. To be spiritually minded means to be filling yourself with the word of God. Right? Because the Bible is a spiritual book. It will feed your spirit, man. It will help you in your spiritual walk on this earth. First uh, Corinthians 2, 12 through 15 says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. Talking about the Holy Spirit. That we might know the things that are freely given unto us. He'll show us what belongs to us as believers, right? Verse 13. Which things we also speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. How does the Holy Ghost teach? It goes on to say, comparing spiritual things with spiritual that's why when you're constantly thinking in your natural carnal mind, you're, you're cutting the Holy Spirit off from helping you in that situation, right? We need to speak the word. We need to think about the word. Fill yourself with the word of God. So I just want you to notice there that the word of God will appeal to your spirit and not the flesh. And the devil, now, the devil will always tempt you with your fleshly desires. Have you figured that out yet? He is what we call a flesh devil. He's always going to appeal to, to your, uh, you know, the sinful natures, of course. You know, I've never had the devil tempt me to pray more. Have you? Have you ever had the devil say, oh, get on your knees and pray just a little bit harder, a little bit? You ever had him do that? No. What, what will he do? He will try to pull you away from prayer because he knows the power of God that is available to us as believers through prayer, right? So the devil will try to draw you away with the fleshly or natural desires. It's the total opposite of the word, which is spiritual. So some amazing points that I brought up today about the Bible. Remember this, the unity of the Bible. It was not written by man, but it was written by God. It is just as sure as if God himself was speaking to us verbally. Make it a personalized letter to you. The Bible is our instruction, booklet, uh, instruction book on this earth. Basic instructions before leaving earth. The Word of God backs our faith as a Christian. The Bible is our only source of spiritual truth on this earth. And the Bible strengthens, nourishes our spirit man on the inside. Let's all stand this morning. And let's just thank God for what He has done today. Heavenly Father, I thank You for the Word that was spoken today. And Father, most of all, we thank You for Your written Word that You have given us on this earth. That... Lord God, we, we don't have to just wonder what your will is, but Father, you wrote it out here. You wrote it out right here in your word. 
And I pray as each person here today, as they go, and when they open up the Bible to read it, Father God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would get you, that your Holy Spirit would give them supernatural wisdom and revelation. Lord, those I pray that those Rhema words would come forth, that you would show each and every one of us on how to apply your word to every area of our lives. In Jesus' name. Now there may be someone here today. You heard the message, you said, well, that's great, but you know what? I don't belong to the family of God right now. I have never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my life. And if that's you today, and you want to be saved from eternal damnation, and you want to know your destination for eternity is going to be heaven, and you want to enter into the family of God, today's your day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to come on down here to the front. And I just want to pray with you personally to do that. Life-changing. Number two, maybe you've been a Christian for a while. And you're saying to yourself, you know, yeah, I've received Jesus a while back, but I really haven't been living the life. I haven't been doing what I'm supposed to do. If you want to rededicate your life to the Lord Jesus Christ today and have a new beginning... I want you to come forward and I want to pray with you today. Or number three, if you as a Christian have never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, Jesus said in Acts 1.8, He said, you shall receive power after, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be witnesses unto me. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is uh, empowering to be a powerful witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I want you to come forward today and I want to pray with you. And lastly, if you need a physical healing in your body, if you need agreement for a miracle in your life over a situation, I want you to come forward and I want to just come into agreement with you this morning. Yes, he's risen from the dead. We serve a risen Savior, don't we? He's not in the grave. You can go 
to Muhammad's grave, Buddha, and whoever those other people follow. And they're still in there. Their body's still there, right? But Jesus is out of that tomb. He's up in heaven. Serve a risen Savior. Well, thank you, Lord. Well, thank you so much for coming. Um, Wednesday night, 6 o'clock prayer. 7 o'clock, that Bible study. We're on week number 7 out of 12. So come on, you can, you, come on out and you'll, you'll glean quite a bit from that. Um, pray about all the outreaches of the church. Um, Metron, I've been going there. Well, I started going there Tuesday uh, at 2 in the afternoon for a Bible study. And we had six women there. And they absolutely ate, ate it right up. They loved it at the nursing home, assisted living facility here in Big Rapids. So uh, just be praying for all of that. And uh, we love you. Thanks for coming today. God bless you.